I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me in the studio today is Dr. Lauren Reynolds, an Assistant Professor of Music and Director of Concert Bands at the University of Delaware and also a UD alum. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you. Proud UD alum. So glad to have you here. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your background. Now, you went to UD as an undergrad, and I believe got a master's degree there as well, but then went on elsewhere to get your doctorate. What, um, what brought you to UD in the first place and what brought you back to UD? Those are great questions. Uh, so you're correct. I did. I got my bachelor's degree in music ed there and my master's in conducting there. Uh, and what brought me there was my brother, I suppose, um, when I was in high school and looking for colleges. I was all over the map and didn't know what I wanted to do. And my brother had gone to UD and I thought, well, sure, I can apply there. Uh, and then it was really actually the flute professor who's now my colleague, Eileen Grisky. Um, I'm a flutist and she was the one that I sort of connected with the best when I was applying for schools. And it made the choice pretty easy and uh, turned out to be for the best for me. It worked out really well. Uh, and after UD... I went uh, and got a public school teaching job. I was teaching high school in Southern Maryland for a few years and then went and got my doctorate at University of Cincinnati, College Conservatory of Music. And then after that, got my first college teaching job at Central Connecticut State University in New Britain, Connecticut. And that's where I was when this job became available and open for application. And I looked at my husband and I said, with your permission, I would like to apply for this job. I'm not going to apply without your your blessing. But, you know, this is sort of was always the ideal sort of job for me. Uh, and the fact that it was my alma mater was sort of icing on the cake there. So he said, OK, and we applied and I got lucky enough to be offered the position. And here we are. Now, with both you and your brother going to UD, were you from Delaware? Not at all. No, we're from the Northern Virginia, D.C. suburbs. So it just so happened he was a, um international relations and Spanish major uh, and just came here because he was sort of wooed by them. He was looking at some really great schools and Delaware really impressed him. And he ended up, you know, having a successful career and it did great things for him. And I just sort of followed suit because that's what younger siblings do, I guess. <laughs> that, that's really interesting yeah. that because that, uh, Virginia certainly has a wealth of really fine schools. But so Yeah, and ironically, dollars. I applied to none of them as a high schooler, much to my parents' chagrin. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's uh, a feather in the cap of the University of Delaware. Exactly. Now, as the assistant professor of music, uh, what, what are the kinds of courses you teach and uh, uh, what does that look like? So I'm director of concert bands, and as such, I sort of oversee the the two two main concert bands that we have, and I conduct one of them, which is the wind ensemble. Uh, my other responsibilities involve teaching conducting, so we have a two-semester sequence of conducting for undergraduates, and I teach both semesters of that. We also have a parallel other sections for choral students. I teach the instrumental students. Um, and I have two graduate conducting students that are studying for a master's degree in conducting that I teach private study to. And I teach some a couple of related courses. So I teach a course in wind literature that's offered annually. And I teach um, an advanced conducting course for non-conducting majors who are graduate students. So maybe a composition major or a music education major, um, but for graduate students. So that's pretty much sums it up. And then I have some peripheral things um, like the Delaware Youth Wind Ensemble that we just started last year, which is not a curricular thing, but it's run through our community music school. And so I also organize and run that and, you know, a couple of other peripheral duties. But that's the bulk of it, conducting the wind ensemble and teaching conducting. 
Now, for our listeners who might not be aware, what is the distinction between a concert band and a symphony orchestra, uh, both in terms of the makeup of the musicians and the repertoire? Sure. So the main difference is simply that the band doesn't have strings. Um, although traditionally a band has one double bass, um, but that's sort of optional. And, you know, some, some bands will have it and some won't. Uh, the wind ensemble here does. So that's the main distinction. And then the numbers of the other instruments are a little bit different as well. So in a traditional concert band, you might have uh, between, let's say, six and 12 clarinet players, whereas in an orchestra, you might have two or three. Um, so you could sort of say in the concert band setting, they serve as the violin section, you know. So things are just sort of um, the the weight of the instruments is distributed differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are no strings. Um, and our repertoire is completely different. So we have our own body of repertoire that is spans from about... Well, 16th century, if you if you look at the music of Gabrielli and, and his contemporaries as far as music for wind instruments, but the modern day concert band music sort of evolved over the last couple hundred years. Um, and we have a, a huge repertoire and we're actually one of the most active fields as far as commissioning new works. We're quite composer friendly mm-hmm. in the band world. So composers like like the bands for sure. Now, how does the repertoire, and this is for my own edification, how does the repertoire for um, concert bands differ or compare to the repertoire for, say, marching bands? Because I mean, any university, especially large universities like UD, you know, most people that have any familiarity with the music program would be familiar with the the marching. Sure. Yeah. So marching bands are certainly their own unique breed of band. Um, (laughs) Yes. Um, And we love them. And they're a great, you know, at UD, we're fortunate to have one of the best ones, you know, in -hmm. the country. And so um, they they don't fall into one category necessarily. And there's a lot of tradition that is tied to the marching band. And so... So it sort of depends where you are and what kind of a marching program they have. So at Delaware, um, my colleague Heidi models the band um, off of more of like the drum corps style, where it's more of a composed production. And so she plays with that band music that ranges from rock and roll and pop music to classical music to cinematic music, you know, and sort of they often create unique arrangements that mix those things together. And it's really creative sort of production style, Um, whereas some marching bands elsewhere in the country or other programs might do more traditional um, sort of march style music. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. some might do more popular music as their only thing and and. You know, it just depends on the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it can be all of those things. I used to run the marching band at my last university. Okay. And, you know, I definitely I programmed traditional classical repertoire redone and rearranged for marching band. And I also programmed Justin Timberlake and okay. <laughs> everything in between. So now with the students who participate in the uh, the concert band program, what kind of crossover is there between the various ensemble groups and and performance opportunities that they have? Yes. Yeah, so we have two main concert bands. We have a wind ensemble and a symphonic band. We also have a sort of campus band that meets every spring called collegiate band. Um, and between the three ensembles, there's a different makeup of students. So the wind ensemble is primarily music majors. The symphonic band is a whole lot of music majors with some non-music majors mixed in. And then the collegiate band is mostly non-majors or music majors playing a secondary instrument. Um, and any of those students who are music majors and are studying music education 
are required to play in the marching band for at least two years of their study as part of their degree. Um, and so there's a ton of crossover of those mm-hmm. students. Mm-hmm. And then many of them, because we have such a great marching program and they love it so much, many of them stick with it for three or four years. And so there's quite a lot of crossover. However, the marching band, I don't know the statistics this year, but the marching band is primarily non-majors because okay. it's so huge. So mm-hmm. even if you took all of the music education majors and plopped them in, you'd still have, you know, 100, 200 other kids that are not music majors. So there's a lot of crossover. There's not crossover between the concert bands themselves. Um, the students pretty much play in one of those ensembles, right. but they many of our students choose to play um, in a lot of the other department ensembles. So they might also play in the pep band for okay. the basketball team, mm-hmm. um, or they play in jazz bands. We have two big bands, or they play in a jazz combo, mm-hmm. or they play in the orchestra, or you know, there's a whole lot of options for them. So there's crossover, but it's usually you know at the choice of the student and, right. and where the needs are in the department. Now, the wind ensemble, I assume, is a smaller group than the symphonic band? It is, yeah. The wind ensemble is about 45 members or so, and is... Somewhat traditional in its in the model of the traditional wind ensemble, which is meant to be about one one player per part, basically. Okay. Um, so ours is a tiny bit larger. We double in the clarinets, for example. So we have you know a couple more players there, and we double in the flutes. So we have five instead of three. Um, but it's pretty pretty standard instrumentation. But the symphonic band tends to be a little bit larger, more more traditional symphonic band. Okay. Yeah. But but the various uh, instrumental groups are pretty much the same between the wind ensemble and the symphonic band in terms of flutes. The instrumentation. Yeah, yeah, instrumentation, yeah, yeah, it's basically the same. Yep, um, and we play, we choose from the same body of repertoire, okay. um, and you know, we both bands will play things that call for smaller instrumentation or call for full instrumentation, and really, you know, really depends on the program. Mm-hmm. Now, in your teaching, what 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 kinds of courses do you teach, both at the undergraduate and graduate level? So, I'm teaching conducting courses, right. um, both levels, and wind literature, um, and that's pretty much it for me at this point. In the past and uh, previous jobs, I've taught, you know, woodwind methods mm-hmm. and I've taught music education courses. Um, but here I have colleagues who teach those things. So I, I'm strictly conducting and wind literature here. Now, we were talking off air. I, I, I was curious. You know, I, I think many people, when they, they watch a concert band play and they see the conductor step up to the podium, the assumption is the conductor is there to start the band and to stop the band. But teaching conducting has, is much more uh, extensive than that. Talk a little bit about what that entails. I am chuckling as you're saying that. There's a great I think it's a far side cartoon of the conductor (laughs) and on the podium just says, you know, wave arm, wave stick until the music stops, then turn around. You know, that's basically what we do. Um, But the the pedagogy of conducting is actually something that I'm maybe equally passionate about to the actual art of conducting and the music itself. I find it fascinating. And um, it's the reason it interests me is because Mm -hmm. the study of conducting is incredibly broad and covers pretty much every topic in music. And so that's how I first got interested in it as a student that I realized, oh, if I'm learning conducting, then I'm actually synthesizing every single other thing that I'm learning as a music student. And so, you know, you have to be an expert in music history. You have to be an expert theorist because you need to decipher and understand the score that you're preparing. You need to be great at sort of the interaction and interpersonal skills, you know, in, in leading a group of people. I've always had an interest in leadership and um, and, you know, then there's the physical side of things, mm-hmm. the gesture mm-hmm. that you're, you know, there's physical gesture that is more expressive in its impetus. And then there are technical things that you just simply have to do correctly or someone is going to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say it's amazing sort of the power that you can have to screw up even a professional group <laughs> by just you know doing taking a breath that's really convincing when you don't mean right. to, you know. Um, so. 
So it's fascinating to be able to kind of, and for our students, they they often remark with the same kind of comments that I used to feel as a student, like, wow, I feel like it's all starting to come together for me, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. I can really um, apply everything that I'm learning in all my other classes. So that that's, you know, it's an amazing art form, and that's what keeps me interested in the job and in these courses. And I love to see sort of the progress of a student as they start to put this together and become successful at it. And then they go out and they're teaching their other students. Many of our students are our education majors. And so they actually come back after maybe a student teaching placement to, mm-hmm. to share some of the things that they've experienced. And it's pretty cool. Well, I want to use that to segue to our next topic. But let me first remind our listeners that you are tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 W. ILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guest in the studio today is Dr. Lauren Reynolds, an assistant professor of music and director of concert bands at the University of Delaware. Lauren, you're talking about conducting, and I'm reminded of of an anecdote I heard once about Leonard Bernstein, that he uh, composed music that would match his conducting (laughs) style, which I I always found a bit amusing. But speaking of Leonard Bernstein, I believe he is one of the composers that was represented on a recent tour that you took uh, in Spain. Let's let's cross the Atlantic and (laughs) tell us a little bit about your summer uh, June 2019 tour of Spain. It was fabulous. Let me start with that. Um, It actually, believe it or not, it lived up to all of my expectations, which <laughs> it's hard to do when you're planning something for about a year and, you know, you have all these high hopes. So, yeah, we, we took the group, the entire 45-member group, uh, to Spain, uh, and we were there for eight nights, ten days, and we performed a series of four concerts while we were there, uh, and it was everything that we dreamed it could be. It was a culturally enriching experience for the students. It was a musically enriching experience for the students. Um, some of our students had never traveled abroad. Two mm. of our students had never flown on a plane before. Wow. Um, so it was, it was absolutely eye opening for every single one of them. Um, and in the, as part of the tour, we had several experiences where we got to work with or even play side by side with, um, some Spanish musicians. And so it started in Barcelona. Um, we went to ESMUC, the Catalan School of Music in Barcelona which is a really unique school um, because they have a whole department that is dedicated to Catalan music uh, in addition to classical music and all of the other sort of things that a regular conservatory might have. And for um, our listeners, Catalonia is a region in Spain. It is. Yes. And and especially right now, it is incredibly um, an incredibly passionate topic for mm-hmm. folks who live there. They will tell you very clearly and in no uncertain terms, this is not Spain, this right. is Catalonia. And so <laughs> that was actually fascinating for our students. Uh, many of them didn't know about that before mm-hmm. we traveled. And afterwards, when we came back, I sent out sort of a postmortem survey just to get their thoughts on the experience. And more than one of them commented on sort of the interesting uh, dynamic of politics there and that, you know, that just sort of put things in perspective for them mm-hmm. as far as their life here and, and what we have here. So mm-hmm. that was fascinating. So we started in Barcelona and we had a workshop with the sort of leading conductor of Catalan music. And he's a composer and conductor who lives in Barcelona named Salvador Brotons. And he's a fabulous musician. I had met him when we went on our sort of scouting trip in January. Um, and he worked with the band on one of his pieces of music, which was really exciting for us to work with someone of such a sort of high stature and level of notoriety around there. And he's also just a great and wonderful and warm person. So had a great experience with him and then performed a concert there at the school that evening. 
Um, and then we traveled to the province of Valencia, where we went on a little sort of run out to a little town called Masanasa, where basically it seemed the whole town turned up for this concert. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I had met with them before we went, and I, I knew it had potential to be a spectacular experience, and it absolutely exceeded it. Uh, the mayor had met with us in January, and he was back, and you know, just everyone was phenomenally warm and welcoming. We did a side-by-side concert with their the municipal band in Masanasa, and their conductor got to work with our students, and we um, they played a little bit for us, some traditional Valencian music. We played a concert, a program of ours, and then we got together and played two Valencian traditional pieces together, mm-hmm. um, each of the conductors conducting one piece. Mm-hmm. And it was unbelievably electric in the room, and many of our students afterwards were saying this was just an experience they would never, ever forget. The place was on their feet, and they're, you know, just bravo, bravo, yeah. absolutely going nuts. Yeah. And, you know, to have that kind of a reception when you are an unknown band from across the world that mm-hmm. just plops into your hall is just really remarkable. And so for many of our students and myself included, that was sort of an eye opener as far as what the power of music can do and mm-hmm. how universal this language is and really how the culture is so different that, you know, we came in as an unknown and they just opened their arms and were so thrilled to mm-hmm. hear our music mm-hmm. um, that it was exciting and sort of invigorating to to continue what we're doing and trying to spread the word here and, right. you know, encourage audiences mm-hmm. here. So that was fabulous. We also had a post-concert reception with these guys where there were about six, five or six enormous size of this room type paella pans, you know, handmade, just amazing reception. And, that, you know, that, of course, was one of the talks of the trip as yeah, well. But really great. a fabulous experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, after there, we went to Granada. And we played at a beautiful hall. It's sort of the premier hall in Granada, mm-hmm. um, the Manuel de Falla Hall. It's up on the hill, sort of near the Alhambra, if you mm-hmm. are familiar mm-hmm. with that. Yep. And we played a joint concert there as well with the Ojijares Municipal Band. Um, and they were celebrating their 25th anniversary of the band. And it was a really, really big deal for them. And so it was a really huge honor for us to be invited into this. And they took it really seriously. They had beautiful banners made and they had the UD logo. And um, they really welcomed us in. And as part of this celebration, it was fabulous. So, again, we got to play side by side with their their band as well. Their conductor got to conduct our students. And it was a really tremendous experience. And the hall was packed and, you know, just a, a really magnificent program. And then we finished it off with an invited performance at the Ubeda Music Festival. Ubeda is a beautiful little town about an hour and a half from Granada or so. Uh, it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, mm-hmm. um, and it's mm-hmm. just spectacularly gorgeous and quaint and sort of seemingly in the middle of nowhere. But they have this wonderful music festival that happens every year. It's music and dance, I think. Uh, and they've hosted such people as the London Symphony, mm. all the way down to you know a pair of flamenco musicians mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and the University of Delaware Wind Ensemble, who mm-hmm. knew. So, mm-hmm. um, so we were invited to play there, and it was beautiful. We played in this um, venue that has been redone. It's uh, hundreds of years old, um, old hospital, actually, that's mm. converted, and it's recently renovated. Beautiful place with amazingly reverberant acoustics and a really appreciative audience. So it was a pretty spectacular end to the tour. Yeah, I think when you travel to Spain, you get a different perspective on what history yeah. is all <laughs> yes. about. I remember traveling through southern Spain last fall and coming across a first century Roman amphitheater <laughs> just out in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> so, what nah. strikes me uh, <laughs> especially is that 
then next to that might be a Gucci store or exactly. something. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, just the, amazing. The contrast, yes. yeah, it really is fascinating. Talk. A, we've got a couple minutes left. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, the role of the music program as ambassadors for the university. Sure. So as you probably know, and as probably many of the listeners know, the University of Delaware has a very rich international component and history. And it's the first university with a study abroad program. And it's a huge, um, I think, identity piece for the university. And so so our music department um, embraces that, and whenever our ensembles are invited to perform somewhere, um, they really bend over backwards, and the university is incredibly supportive, um, and the department is incredibly supportive in making these endeavors happen. Um, and for us, it's it's... You know, you cannot duplicate the experience of actually being there and interacting with these musicians. And, you know, I was talking with several musicians in these bands that we worked with who are saying, well, wait a minute, do you have graduate programs? And, you mm -hmm. know, had mm -hmm. never thought about looking at school across the pond. Sure. Um, and that, and, and their, their system of music education is completely different there. Um, they don't have traditional university music programs. They have conservatories, but their music schooling is sort of a parallel school that goes along with the regular K-12 type system. Um, and so they're studying, it's essentially like an after school type thing, but they study all the way through in a music school. Um, and so either they go to college or they go to conservatory, but there is no such thing as like a department of music. And so mm -hmm. a lot of the folks that I talked to and the conductors of these bands that we met, this was really a different thing for them. And so it sort of opened some doors to folks that just didn't know this sort of a thing exists and didn't know that this model is what it is. Um, and so that's sort of the purpose. You would not, you know, they wouldn't be browsing the internet and discovering this on their own. But when you're there and you're making music together and you're talking after a concert and you're understanding where these people's goals are and what their ambitions are, and then they suddenly discover the University of Delaware mm -hmm has something that could actually lead me where I want to go. Mm -hmm. That's the purpose of this. So, so quickly, in the few uh, seconds we have left, uh, you do a lot of programming here at home. Where can uh, our listeners learn about the concerts that are right at the campus? I think our website is the best place. It's music.udel.edu, and click on events. And we have all of our events listed there. There's three wind ensemble programs this semester, September 27th, October 22nd, and December 5th, and the Symphonic Band has two concerts, October 23rd and November 20th, and all the hundreds of other things are listed there as well. Great. Well, Dr. Lauren Reynolds, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you.